could you do some of those things, you know, some of those things that they did this morning. Uh, in the previous services, we've had all sorts of things. And all the things that have been done this morning have been very challenging to me especially. Uh, because growing up, I didn't have the opportunity of doing some of those things. And um, uh, for some of us here this morning, all I'll say is I'll try to catch up. <laughs> uh, do memory verse all by yourself. You know, try to just memorize the Bible and do memory verse all by yourself. Do some things uh, that you knew growing up, you didn't have the opportunity of doing. Uh, some of us still have strict fright up to today because we didn't go on stage when we were supposed to while we were growing up. And it's never too late. So go to the cluster meeting and ask them to allow you to share the word. It's a good place to start from. Praise God. <laughs> I said, praise God. Now, all around our nation today, as we celebrate Children's Day, is with mixed feelings, uh, simply because of the abducted girls. We know that um, we're trusting God that they will be released and released in one piece. Now, whichever school of thought you belong to, whether you believe it's a conspiracy or you know, it happened or it didn't happen because all through the week I was interacting with people, is that abduction of young ladies is not uh, something that just started with this Boko Haram issue. These things have been going on. Our ladies have been sold out for sex slave, you know, and all, all sort of things. When you go to Europe, you, you find uh, you know, our ladies all over the place, uh, young people, you know, doing all sorts of things. So our nation needs prayer. It would be good you use the cheap girls as a point of contact. But we need prayers for the next generation. We need prayers for God to help us to appropriately preserve the next generation. Say amen, somebody. So this morning, I love to share with us as I throw a challenge to all of us adults, parents, and parents-to-be on how we should take up our responsibility to preserve the next generation. It's a whole responsibility that we need to take up. And until we understand some things from certain perspectives, we may not be able to take up our responsibility the way we're supposed to take up our responsibility. And that's the challenge of this morning as we celebrate uh, Children's Day and we celebrate our children. It's also an opportunity for, for us to appreciate all of our members who you know, do a lot to take care of children in this church and to be a blessing to them. Uh, I want us to put our hands together and appreciate them. It's a huge opportunity for us to appreciate them for the great work that they've been doing. But as I go into the world this morning and the main reason why we need to appreciate these people more and we have to take up our responsibilities. I titled this Preserving Generation Next. Preserving Generation Next. And I want you to join me in your Bibles in Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10, I'll read from uh, verse 7 of Exodus chapter 10. Preserving Generation Next. Preserving Generation Next. For those of us sitting to my left, we apologize for uh, the issue we're having with the projector here. It will be fixed in the course of the week, and um, uh, that won't happen next Sunday. We apologize. And uh, multimedia guys, if there's a way we can still get it on, please let's try to get it on. If there's any way we can do that at all, uh, please let's do. If not, just, just bear with us. I apologize for that. It will be rectified uh, before next service. Praise God. 
The first thing that we need to understand this morning before I read the word is that God's original intention, God's plan, is that every generation must be an improvement on the previous generation. I've said it again and again that the best of God is never in the past, it's always in the future. So if the best of God is never in the past and it's always in the future, it means that God's plan is that every generation must be an improvement on the previous. In the same vein, the devil also has his own plans. And the plans of the devil is that every generation should be worse than the previous. So he's programming everything to fulfill his own agenda, just like God is trying to program everything and use us also so that he can fulfill his own agenda, which is that every generation, my kids are supposed to be better than me. And if we have it as the back of our mind, we know that it's not just a wish. It's not just a desire. It's God's will. You see, there are some things you desire, and you pray about them. You're not even sure whether it's God's will or not. Some people are praying for their kids. You're not even sure whether it's God's will or not that they should be better than you. I'm telling you this morning that God's plan is that every generation must be an improvement on the previous generation. So I'm not supposed to uh, um, uh, really fight so seriously to get my kids to be better than me. That's God's will. I'm supposed to align with God's will, take my responsibility, and then pray and watch God move. Because when we pray according to his will, the Bible says he answers us. God's original intention is that every generation must be an improvement on the previous generation. The devil has his own plans, and when you look all through the Bible, what you see is a devil trying to perpetuate his own plan, which is that the next generation must be worse than this generation. Things must move from good to bad, and from bad to worse. So Exodus chapter 10, we see the story there of Israel trying to move out of captivity. And God sent his servant, Moses, to actualize his plan. Moses got to Egypt. There was the order of the hard-hearted Pharaoh who would not allow his people to go. And God started firing plagues after plagues to soften Pharaoh's heart was becoming more ardent. And after about six or seventh plague, Plagues, uh, the, the men of Egypt spoke to Pharaoh. These guys are going to destroy us. Egypt is being destroyed already. Let these people go so that their strange God will leave us alone. And yet, Pharaoh still, you know, hardened his heart. And this, this, let's read the account from Exodus chapter 10, verse 7 to 11. Verse 7 of Exodus chapter 10. Then Pharaoh, Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the man go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? Verse 8. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh. And he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And this was their answer. And Moses said, We will go with our young and old, with our sons and our daughters. 
with our flocks and our herds we will go. For we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you go. And your little ones go. Beware for evil is ahead of you. Verse 11. Not so. Pharaoh said, not so. Not so. I'm not going to allow your children to go. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord. Read some of the translations of the Bible. Pharaoh made it point blank and straight. You can go, all adults. But children, no, leave them behind. Leave them behind. And it's because Pharaoh understood God's plan. God's plan is to always bring an improvement on what is on ground through the next generation. When you look at it very well, if you read further and further, you will realize that actually the people that were talking to Pharaoh, all the people who were Moses' age mate, couldn't make it into the promised land. I hope you understand what I'm saying. God's plan would not have been fulfilled if they wouldn't allow the children to go. They were actually the ones who made it into the promised land. They were actually the ones that God wanted to use to fulfill his own plans. The older generation had been in slavery and slavery had entered into them fully. They had the slavery mindset. That was why they complained against God, you know, all the way. They, 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 they got God angry in the wilderness. And God destroyed them in the wilderness. Are you still with me this morning? The devil knows this. And you see, that spirit of Pharaoh that is always after the next generation is still perpetuating itself up to today. Up to today. The only difference is that today, you don't see a Pharaoh on the throne who says only adults can go and children cannot go. You don't see a Pharaoh on the throne who is saying go and kill all Young kids of Moses' age when Moses was born. You don't see another Herod on the throne. Who children. You don't see all that. But the devil has put systems in place through all the things that matter to us in our daily life where the spirit of Pharaoh will manifest itself. Are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me today? So that's why today, parents, I'm talking to you and I need you to listen to me. You cannot afford, for instance, to partner with the movie industry to bring up your kids. Because that same spirit of Pharaoh is what is operating through our major, a lot of our major sectors that affect our children. The devil is perpetuating itself through those channels. Through those different areas. Let me give you an example, a vivid example of what I'm talking about. In 1965, the movie Sound of Music was released. That was shortly after my parents got married. And Sound of Music got 10 Oscar nominations and several other nominations. But if we stay just with Oscar, got 10 Oscar nominations and 5 Oscar awards, including the best picture for the year. Go and check it out online. From 1965 so 2013, 2014, then you, today, will even many years later, 49 years later, will still put Sound of Music. My kids still watch Sound of Music, I think, earlier this year. 
we'll still put it and F. In fact, we'll see what sound of music together as a family when. Was it last, last summer or so? We will still, all of us will be comfortable with sound of music playing. Go and search out the ones that got Oscar 2013 and the ones being nominated now for Oscar. How many of us will put those movies and you just tell your kids, sit down and watch? Ladies and gentlemen, things have changed a lot over the last 50 years. A lot has changed. Maybe in the 60s and in the 50s, the partnership was working with the movie industry and parents. Today, it doesn't work any longer. It doesn't work any longer. The inspiration for most of our motion pictures, some of them very good inspiration, some of them very solid storylines, but they have embedded a lot more things inside it. Hardly, I mean, as you're taking the good storyline, you're taking many other things with it. You're taking a lot of sexual innuendos. You're taking a lot of violence. You're taking, you know, something that suggests that to be gay is hip. And then they, they tell you all sorts of things just to suggest to you uh, that, that you're powerless. The average teenager in the world today believes that uh, there's nothing wrong with being gay. Over 60% of Americans believe that gay, you know, uh, should be legalized and they shouldn't have any problem at all. And it's, it, that percentage is higher in the lower generation. Because they, they, what has been sold to us is that, you know, um, it's, it's all about, you know, it's some, for some it's just, it's just the uh, genetic whatever. There's nothing they can do about it. They can't help themselves. But that's not the story for today. Someday, I'll stay on track today. I want you to understand one thing, that we cannot afford to partner with the movie industry to bring up our children. We can't. Because that same spirit of Pharaoh, after our children, is perpetuating itself through all these, you know, different channels. Uh, um, the music industry. One of you music we have today, good tunes, you know, everything. Some of the music, some make sense. Some are really good. Whether it's church music or music, you know, uh, in a secular, some great music. But today, we still cannot partner with the music industry to raise our children. Because that same spirit of Pharaoh is operating through the music industry. So you watch, I mean, my daughter was talking to me a few weeks ago. said, Dad, I, I, I really love, you know, some of the music. But some of them are really bad. I said, all you need to do is just watch the video. And you see all the nothing things they do there. I, I just flip the channel. I don't watch it. I said, in my heart, I was saying, thank you, Jesus. See, because I didn't start the conversation. She started it. Saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And I drew, I drew her closer. I said, that's good. Don't watch. <laughs> we can't partner with them. We can't. We can't. I checked out some of the movies that have been nominated that people are now voting on now for this year's Oscar. I've watched some of them myself. 12 Years a Slave. Wonderful storyline. I don't know if you have seen it. Great movie. But I can't allow my kids to watch it. No. No. I won't be surprised if it, if it wins the Oscar later this year. But I can't allow it. But the truth is, you see all sorts of things there. I mean, the sex scene was, was there. The, the odd violence, all kind of violence. Terrible ones. 
And whether we like it or not, these things sometimes are just open for anybody to see. I can go on and on and on so, so you know what I'm talking about. I, I know what's happening in the world, so I'm not just talking to you from one preacher man who is just living in heaven. All right? Yeah. And to, make you, to let you know that I see movies and I, I, know, I know what's happening out there. We can't afford to partner with them. Because the way I will censor, the way I will filter, the way I will understand and see all the bad things there and know how to regulate and know which one to watch, which one to, um, to even allow to pass beyond my filter. A child's mind is highly impressionable. They believe everything that they see. Most of the people who sing today and they're making waves all around the world, some of them get their inspiration for singing from nudity. Some get it after a few drags of weed. What do you, after a few drags of weed, what kind of inspiration do you get? It's from hell, literally. And I need to be open to you this morning. The owner of MTV said, I have the next generation in my hand. And I, 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 I use them how I like. I tell them what to do. If he wants them to be walking naked on the street, they will do it. It's just a matter of time. I'm telling you the truth. All they need to do is to do some funny things on MTV and keep playing it of one if guy who's walking naked on the street. But then they show it for one month. One day, you just see somebody. I feel the sound I'm saying this today. That's why the guy can say, look, I have them in my hand. I have them. I can do anything I like with them. I decide what they think, where they go, you know, and all that. When I was growing up, my parents used to have conversations at home. Um, and I still remember my mom trying to tell my dad something about something that should be done better. And she would say, have you forgotten what Ebenezer Abbey said in this particular track? And they, they used to quote Ebenezer Abbey like they're quoting scriptures. <laughs> it was because the song made sense. Are you still with me this morning? The song made sense. Some of those songs are even in line with the scriptures. But today, what do we have? Yeah. What's Kilewu? No, no, no. What does it mean? We all we have is entertainment without sense. The music industry wants to teach our kids that love is about feelings and emotions, full stop. Full stop. They don't want them to know that love is commitment, love is a choice, love is responsibility. I haven't had a song that taught that. And we can teach that through songs, truly and truly. They only want them to know that love is sex and high emotions. And anything that will make that blood pump, that's love. No. We can't partner with them to raise. We can't even partner with our fashion industry to raise our kids, especially the way things are going. If you're like me, sometimes I'm scared. I have two girls. And biologically, that's all I've got. <laughs> all right? I have so many children in Christ Jesus. But those two girls, I'm not going to open my eyes and allow somebody try to give me clothes that will dress them up like hookers. All right? No, it's not going to be possible. Because the people who design these clothes, even though I don't have uh, uh, any power over them, but I have the power of choice. Or, or, you understand what I'm saying today? 
And some of us also need to come up with our, our own lines, fashion lines, with inspiration that will come after you have prayed. Because some, some, of the, some of our best designers in the world, some of them are gay. Some of them have all kinds of things. See, what they won't tell us is that the life expectancy for the average gay person now is about 45 in the U.S., for instance, while the life expectancy for somebody who is normal, you know, straight, all right, somebody who is straight is 76. I didn't know they call it straight. I thought it was supposed to be normal. <laughs> Praise God. Life expectancy for a straight guy is 76. For the average gay guy, it's 45. If, if God created people to be gay, why would they be dying early? In them. But they won't say that. They won't show it in the movie. They're dying faster because they're putting their, their body to a wrong use. They won't show it in the movie that, that, that HIV in the gay world is going at a much faster rate, maybe times 10 of what you get with, with, with straight guys. They won't show us that. All they want us to believe is that they can't help themselves and it's just the way God created them. God is not the author of confusion, ladies and gentlemen. And we need to take responsibility for the next generation. The next generation. How will we guard the next generation so that all these lies will not continue to perpetuate themselves into the next generation? We have to take responsibility. We have to take responsibility. We have to take responsibility. Let me round off this talk this morning with three things that Christ taught us. There are many things that Christ taught us about children. But I'm focusing on just three. I I regard these three to be very important. Many more, you know, but time will not permit me. But three things that I, 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 I wish everybody would leave the service with this day as we celebrate our children. One is that truly we need to understand and come to a definite realization of the fact that kids have serious problems or challenges. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was going, you know, just walking on the street in verse 18. There the Bible says that a ruler of the Jews, in, in Mark and Luke, you see his name. His name happened to be Jairus. Jairus' daughter was dead at home. Jairus came to meet Jesus, said, my little girl is dead. I need you to come and lay your hands on her. And Jesus straight away said, I'm coming with you right now. Those are one of the few accounts in the Bible where you see Jesus saying, I'm going with you now. It was because he, he, he was trying to portray to us that the younger generation has problems. And their problems require urgency. See, the popular story of the woman with the usual blood happened while Christ was rushing to Jairus' house. People were shoving and pushing and trying to touch him, but he wouldn't just... With the way people were pushing him and all that, everybody trying to get a miracle, and he was pushing through, going for the younger generation. If we would go with that same strength and fervency today, we will definitely preserve the next generation. The woman with the usual blood touched him 
virtue, you know, got into her, she was healed. Jesus knew what he was carrying to Jairus' house. He said, something left me. He looked back and saw the woman, said, your faith has made you whole. He didn't make much of it, headed out to Jairus' house. He got to Jairus' house and, you know, a lot of weeping and wailing and all that. And he said, where's the girl? Where have you laid the girl? Took the girl, prayed and lifted her up. The girl was made whole. Ladies and gentlemen, kids have problems. Kids have problems. Kids have problems. Infant mortality as we speak is still nothing palatable. Uh, uh, the, the, the statistics have it that we have 57 million conceptions globally every year. 37 million back. 4.8 million deaths in the first year. Mortality worldwide in the first year. In Nigeria, I checked the WHO stats. We're currently doing 1 in 10. First year, infant mortality. That's 10%. Every child, when, whenever you people give birth, just out of 10, one goes in the first year. Currently, that's what we have now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about 10%. 7.5, actually. But approximately 10%. Yeah. And we even have nations in the world that is higher than that. We have in the Western world, it's a lot lower. But the truth is that the devil is after our children. The devil is after our children. Let me tell you another truth. If the devil had his way, children would be dead or would die in infancy so they can never know him as in know God, attain greatness, and enforce the authority over the devil. He's afraid. See, a lot of us have power over him. Now you want to procreate and bring forth more. And the Bible says... (laughs) That out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, God has perfected praise. Kids know how to torment the devil. And he's afraid. So he wants to kill. And he knows that God's joker always is to raise a new generation. When he has finished programming the current generation, God raised a new generation that does not have the same kind of programming. Who will be able to deal with the devil properly. So he wants to go ahead of time and put structures in place. To deal with children. But much feel like, oh, when you're thinking of house rent, or how to finish your house that you're building, or how to buy a car, or how to get promotion, you think that's the biggest problem in the world. But when we scale it down, when we really scale it, you need to understand something. Some of the issues that our kids are going through cannot be compared to this mortgage issue that you have on your head. A child that is suffering the hand of a bully at school has a greater problem than your house rent problem. Why? Because your house rent problem will be solved somehow. Maybe this month, maybe next month. But this child's problem is a problem that can go with him into the future. When you see children who cannot raise their head, who have lost their self-esteem, it's because somebody refused to pay attention when they're going through real issues. Are you still with me this morning? We have all kinds of choice predators all around the world. Many things. And they're focused on children. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, kids have problems. Not only adults have problems. And until we realize that, we will not be able to partner with them to solve their problems. Jesus partnered with them to solve their problems. Adults had problems in the days of Christ, but he neglected some of those issues and went after the kids. Because kids have problems. As in, you can imagine some of us you're thinking so much about the issues you have to resolve and you're refusing to scale them. 
based on what the kids are going through. That's why they will show up and they want to tell you, hey, mommy, 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 hey, somebody did something to my brother. Hey, I don't have time for that one. Now. Hey. Is that what we're saying now? Is that not what most of us do? And we refuse to listen to them to hint their small things and our own problems are the real problems. But sometimes you need to scale it. You need to truly scale. You need to scale and see. Then you realize that kids have real problems. Really real problems. You know another reason why I believe that some of the problems with kids are far greater than that of adults? Sometimes they are not able to express themselves. So how do you even know the problem? I hope you understand what I'm saying today. Sometimes it's difficult for them to even say this is the problem. If an adult is having a headache, the adult can say, I have a headache. The child doesn't know what's happening, just crying, just holding the head or something, or just. And then a lot of the time, we, in trying to fix them, we fix them wrongly. Because the child that has a headache will want to uh, put pacifier in their mouth. Just to shut them down. Kids face interpersonal challenges like bullying, sexual abuse, peer pressure, parental pressure, broken homes, living up to parental expectation. Some of us, the worst time of our lives are praise periods at work. Am I saying the truth? Your heart is always in your mouth. Now you want to appraise your kid every day and every morning and every night. And you want them to be okay. Always under pressure to impress us. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Some of us can't seek appraisers. Because we, that's when we realize that people have expectations of us. But we have expectations and we express them. And some of the kids are just... Okay, now. They're confused. Kids have problems. And a lot of the time, we adults create the problems for them. And Christ taught us to be able to, you know, uh, that we should recognize that kids have problems. And don't overemphasize our own problems. And in the midst of what the challenges we are facing, to slow down a bit sometimes and try to understand what they are going through. Secondly, secondly, serving children is not glamorous. It's never going to be glamorous. We just need to make up our mind that we're going to serve them. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42. In verse 42 of Matthew chapter 10, uh, um, Jesus made mention of the fact that he said, whoever gives one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. If you have a good Bible, like I've said all through today, if you have a good Bible and you check your Bible very well right now, and you check that scripture, you realize that where, where the, uh, water, whenever you see water in that verse, in a good Bible, it's written in italics. Anytime you see something written in italics in the Bible, it's either that the translators consider the word used as inappropriate, or they use that to fill the gap because they feel that something uh, is missing there. That means it wasn't in the original translation. So what Jesus was saying simply means that whoever will stoop low to serve a child in the real mundane things of this world, he said whoever will serve a child a cup of cold, can imagine a cup of cold, so water there written in italics means adult food, kid stuff. Whoever will do kid stuff, whoever will drink kid stuff or serve kid stuff, 
in the name of a disciple. Regarding these ones as potential disciples. Tools in the hand of God. The Bible says he will not lose his reward. Are you still with me today? Now, are we truly willing to do the kid stuff with them? From diaper change to homework to all that. Serving kids is not glamorous. Never going to be glamorous. And some of us need to also realize that children are not trophies. Children are not trophies. God gave them to us, not to show off, but to serve them. And to bring them up and to raise them appropriately. So kids are not trophies. They're not trophies. To truly raise a child, you must be prepared to do the mundane things. From diaper changes to homework, these mundane acts are investment that help to build their confidence and self-esteem. So if you see our little kids, be ready to get down you know, to their level. To just get down to their level and do the stuff that you need to do. Men in the house this day, I want to challenge you not to see those mundane stuff like serving kids a cup of Kool-Aid, a cup of Ribena, like Jesus said. Um, see, don't see them as work for women. No, no. Don't say because I paid the house rent. Don't say because I've paid their school fees. Somebody else should do all that. No, no, no. Jesus did not say whichever of a child, to serve a child, to raise a child, to become a disciple, in the name of a disciple, will not lose his reward. That's what Jesus said. We need to learn this as the second thing that Christ taught us about children. The fact that we need to serve them. There are no trophies that we show. I know some of us, when we dress them and look good, especially if you have girls, you know, and you arrange all their hair and everything you want. Oh yeah, work, let's go. You know, so that everybody will see. That, that, it's not all about that. And that's why some people want to have girls. <laughs> it's not all about that. Our assignment is service. And it's at the lowest level. That's where God wants us to plug in. So as a, as a guy, you need to be able to uh, give a child a wash. Change diaper. Jesus said you have a reward. Because you're playing your part in building the next generation. So it's not a woman's work. Or responsibility. It's for all of us to touch the next generation and get down to their level. Say amen, somebody. Amen. All right, all the men say amen. amen. Praise God. I said praise God. Thirdly and lastly, Christ taught us that children are role models. Indeed, role models. And I'll prove it from Matthew 18 and verse 1 to 5. Matthew 18 and verse 1 to 5. The disciples of Jesus went to meet him and they said, who is the greatest? So from verse 18, I mean, chapter 18 and verse 1, at the time, the disciples came to, to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And look at what Jesus said. Then Jesus called a little child and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you, come, you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Look at the next verse. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Look at verse 5, the last one. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. The disciples of Jesus said, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus called a child. 
put him in the midst of them and say, watch, watch, watch this guy. Watch this young child. Humble, open, you know, says their mind. Sincere. There's a lot to learn from children. And the truth is that there's nowhere in the Bible except where maybe we're teaching maturity or whatever that children are told to be like adults. It's always adults try to be like children. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's because there's a lot to learn from them, but much more than that, it's also because we need to understand that the burden of change is always on the older generation, not on the younger generation. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In natural things, whenever you see a child, you know, maybe a child in three-piece suit with um, glasses, you know, and all that, with pattern, you know that they just, <laughs> you know this is not, but when you see a grown-up See a man in his mid-50s or mid-60s in jeans and polo t-shirt, you know, with um, Nike, and it's bouncing. And everybody say, hey, daddy, you know, babake, you know, all those kind of things. Everybody wants to celebrate that kind of, you know, because you say, oh, that's the way to go. You need to be younger. Yeah, you have swag. All right, is that not what we say? Yeah, in natural things, uh, it's always... You know, that way. And in spiritual things, it's the same. The burden of change is always on the older generation, not on the younger generation. We try to put the burden of change on them. So you see a child uh, maybe uh, doing uh, uh, maybe social media or something, and you start to say, hey, what are you doing there? Don't do. You get on social media. They know what they're doing there. All right? Know what they're doing there. Join them there so you can influence our he or she now goes about it. I hope you understand what I'm saying. The burden of change is on us, not on them. A lot of times we want to put the burden of change on them. Christ said, be like them. Be humble like a child. Be simple like a child. Be, you know, be open like a child. Say your mind. Do all that. But much more than that, take up the responsibility for change. Because that's the only way we can serve them very well in that generation. Some of us are struggling today to be on social media and do anything. You're saying you are too old. You are not too old. It's part of your responsibility to be where they are. There's one platform they call to go. Young people, teenagers, all of them are there. Uh, one, two, three, awo, or something. Somebody is bearing Django, bearing all kinds of... So they set their mind. They do whatever they like there. And that's where to really know what's going on. We want to stay away. We want to stay away. We don't understand them. The burden of change is on us to try to understand what is going on in the world and be a part of it so that we can rightly influence the next generation. Is somebody still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? So if you are, see, if you, see, whether you have a Twitter account or not, very soon, depending on the age of your children, if they don't have already, they, they will have. And if you don't know what they are tweeting, then you don't know them. You truly don't know them. That's the truth. So you can't give an excuse to say, I'm too old for that. Uh, and all that. You, you, need, you just need to know that the burden of change is on us. The burden of change is on us. 
Pastor CJ was telling me a few hours ago during one, one of the intermission between the services and we're just talking, what he read about uh, a young lady, 16, 16 years old, uh, um, who he was reading on social media, who acted in a pornographic movie. Then the movie was released, and some of his high school mates, former high school mates, saw the movie, and they started doing what they call cyberbullying, where you know, they started writing, giving bad comments, and doing all that. You know what the lady did? Just happened recently. Went into a shop, bought a gun, and killed herself. Those are the troubles they're going through in the generation. A lady killed herself. What, what was happening? A few months ago, there was some protest, I think, in the Philippines. And so, young people would go to the protest ground, not to protest, but to selfie. You understand? So, they see the crowd, and then they will selfie themselves, and then post it on their Facebook page. They, they are not protesting. They're just having fun. And then, they, 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 were, they will be you know, rating themselves based on the likes that they got. And this lady did not get any like, and she committed suicide. <laughs> See, very useless and funny things. But if you don't know that your, your boy or your girl is surfing <laughs> and posting, you don't even know where to meet them to be able to help them. To so say, if they don't like, in fact, you can go and like the page or like the picture. <laughs> be the first to like the picture. I mean, I, I know I'm saying things this morning and it looks like maybe... I'm talking far-fetched stuff, but I need for us to recognize that the burden of change is on us. If we are going to participate in influencing the next generation, we must embrace the fact that the burden of change is on us. The burden of change is on us. We need to adjust. We need to get into the flow and get to understand what's going on around us. Then we're able to influence the next generation. We need to preserve the next generation. We need to preserve the next generation. Somebody say, I'll play my part. Somebody say it again, say, I'll play my part. Now, back home, as I, as I, as I I'll close this message, back home here in, in Nigeria, the important one now was to bring back our girls' campaign. Some of us, the, I mean, the least we can do, we have refused to do, which is to pray. I know we have many perspectives to the issue, but the most important thing is that abduction of young people is never in doubt. It has been happening before Chibok. If we're not careful, it will continue to happen. And the devil is after the next generation because they're vulnerable and impressionable. And we need to come together to do something about it. So whatever political persuasion you belong to, it doesn't really matter at this time, and I need you to understand that. As we celebrate children this week, please pray for the abducted children. Pray for, for our children generally. And pray for our nation, because the devil is on rampage. The devil is truly on rampage. All the talks about whether our president will be the last president of this united Nigeria or, and all that, all that is in the hand of God. There's no voice that can stand when God has not spoken. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And we need to proclaim that the counsel of Jehovah is the only thing that will stand over our nation. When we keep our mouth shut, we're not doing the nation any good. 
Bible says, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. With the mouth of the wicked, it is pulled down. So we need to also continue to speak and hand over our nation into the hands of God. Lift your right hand with me this morning and speak a blessing over every child around you. Start with your children and begin to mention their name and call them blessed. Come on, lift your right hand around you, your cousins, your nephew, nephew. Use them as a point of contact and just speak, calling their names and declaring that they are blessed. They are highly favored. The hand of God is upon them. God's protection is upon them. Grace is upon them. The mercy of God is upon them. I want you to, to just, just speak a blessing over them this afternoon as we use them as points of contact to every other child in this nation. Speak a blessing. Speak a blessing today. Speak a blessing today. Speak a blessing today. If you don't have a child of your own, just speak a child around you and call their name and call them blessed that the grace of God is upon them, the blessing of God rests upon them, that the mercy of God is upon them, that God keeps them. Upon them.